Yeah, so this morning we are uh, continuing our theme uh, of love God, love people, love life. So this is going to be running over a summer, so a couple of weeks uh, on each of those, but obviously they all come together. We can't kind of miss, miss one of those things without the other. We believe they all, they all fit together so well as well. So this, this morning, talking about loving people, continuing the back of obviously Erin and Sheila, uh, spoke brilliantly last Sunday. So if you missed any of those, I know summer holidays, we can be away a lot on holiday jet setting or Wales or wherever we, wherever we go on our holidays, um, but it's, it's always good to, to kind of catch up on the ones you missed and it's great we can do that, so I encourage you to, to do that as well. Um, but yeah, this morning talking about loving people. Uh, now I looked up in the, the dictionary, the definition of love, and can get one straightforward definition, and there's 24 different entries um, in the, the dish, dictionary that I looked at, uh, online dictionary, uh, 24 different definitions of love. And think about that, I think there's no, um, there's no kind of ex, um, surprise that it can be a confusing thing when people talk about love, when they say, well, what, what exactly do you mean when you say you love something or you love someone? I did actually look and I thought, actually, can I find a word that there's only one definition of? Uh, and the first one I found, there's only one entry in this online dictionary, and it was Bolton. There's only one Bolton when I looked up. Um, no, no second meaning, just the one, a town in Greater Manchester. So that was good. But, um, but yeah, so we, we, in our world, I think we've got quite a, a mixed up definition of love, can't we? That we can uh, see lots of different people in the way they live their lives, the, um, the things that they do, the way that they treat uh, people that they love, often the way that uh, we, we go about it and kind of follow or, or interact with people or things that we say we love. It can look so different to so many different people in so many different ways, can't it? Uh, now, I thought I'd just uh, get a bit of a check just to make sure you're all awake and you're all uh, listening this morning. A bit of audience participation. Uh, there's a few different foods that people either say they love or they hate. So I want to see where we kind of stand on these things, if that's okay. So the obvious one, uh, the classic one is Marmite. So first of all, hands up anybody who loves Marmite. A few people. Okay, anybody hate Marmite? More heap up. Is anybody like that just doesn't agree with that rule at all? Is like indifferent to Marmite? You like it's okay. A few people okay. Okay, so definitely more haters for uh, for Marmite. What about olives? Who loves olives? Oh, quite a lot. Quite a lot. Anybody hate olives? Definitely more lovers of olives than haters. There, I'm. I'm with that. I, I like olives. Next one, licorice. Oof, a lot of people like licorice. Who hates licorice? Okay, more people there. Okay, um, now next one, I'm definitely a hater on this one, um, but my wife Natalie is, uh, loves this. So blue cheese. Who loves blue cheese? Quite a few. Two hands up there from Pete. Or otherwise known as moldy cheese, basically. Um, anyone hate, hate blue cheese? A few people there as well. Last one, sushi. Who loves sushi? A few groans from over this side, yeah. Sushi. And if you who hates sushi. Okay. I think probably the most there, I think most hands up was olives actually. So most people loved olives. So you've heard it here first, it's official. The British Church loves olives. Um, but we can love we can love lots of things. We might say we love certain foods, we might say we love our favourite sports team. Obviously the Premier League has started back this weekend. So the, the emotional roller coaster. Um, uh, it's kind of started again for those that are supporting teams. Bolton obviously had a good start to the season, so any Bolton fans will be on a high. Um, yeah, the Bury have got a football team back as well, so Bury fans. 
Wasn't expecting a round of applause for that, but anyway. Um, but we can love all these different things, can't we? We can love, say, we love someone's outfit, we love some clothes, or things like that. Um, but the, it, we express that in so many different ways, don't we? Um, but when we, when we do say we love someone, it can carry a lot of power. Now, there's that age old thing where if, if you're in a relationship with someone and there's that point where someone says to the other one, or oh, for, for the first time, they say, oh, I love you. And they're expecting them words to be said back to them. But if the other person's not quite in that place yet, it's that really awkward situation where the, the phrase usually they reply with is, oh, I really like you too. Now, I, I apologize if you've ever been on the receiving end of that comment uh, when you've been in a relationship, but... People don't want to say those words if they don't mean them. Because the, words, the word love, it carries a lot of power, doesn't it? Uh, it? It changes the way we behave as people grow up and they start falling in love. Suddenly they start maybe dressing a bit nicer, look, taking care of their appearance a bit more, spending money on the people that they love. Our behaviour changes in all these different ways. Certain behaviour becomes acceptable if they say when people... They change their behavior. You think, oh, well, that person's, that person's in love. They're doing it out of, out of love. But in, in all of this, I believe it's so important that we recognize that what we do with anything, but important with love, we see what actually a biblical example of love is. And we're always looking at what God says about love and how we show love to each other. There's no better example of this than Jesus. For us as we come in to, to look at how we love people, how we treat the people around us in our world, how we treat each other, that Jesus lived on this earth, the way that he lived his life, the way that he interacted with other people, the words that he said about when it comes to loving people, that is our uh, true and our main uh, point of an example for all of us to follow. And this verse, these verses, Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 37 to 39, have been mentioned in the past few weeks, uh, but kind of a bit of a, um, the foundation for this theme that we're looking at. Um, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On this question, Jesus was asked, what is the one what is the one greatest commandment? But he replies with two. He replies with loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. He says these two things are like it, that you can't really separate them. You've got to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and love each other as well. Well, like, like today, like there's 24 different definitions of love in our dictionary, that the Bible talks about love uh, in different ways as well. So it's important we understand the, the kind of love and what Jesus is actually talking about of what this means when he says, love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart. A kind of love that the Bible talks about is called agape love. It's the love that God has for us, that, that unconditional love, that love that is never going to fail, that he loves us no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. Um, and the, the same love that he then asks us to have for him and for us to have for each other in our world as well. So I believe that is what God is calling us and the way to treat each other in our world today. There's another story in the Bible that, that epitomizes, it's a great example of this as well. This is a story of Jonathan and David. Now, some of you will know uh, this, this story well, but David, um, in his whole life, there's all different ups and downs and things that happen, but he's anointed to be uh, a king um, when he's uh, the boy. That We know that story when um, the prophet comes to, to anoint the king and he's looking at the most handsome, he's looking at the tallest, he's looking at the oldest, but then there's David, the youngest, who's out looking after the, the sheep in the field. And David, in that moment, is anointed to be king. He obviously kills Goliath in that story uh, as well. 
And he grows in uh, his stature. It comes to the point where Saul, who is king, gets really jealous of him. That people are looking at him thinking, isn't he so much better than Saul, isn't he? Uh, and he, this insecurity takes over him. And it comes to this point where Saul is now trying to kill and get rid of, uh, of David. But Jonathan, he is Saul's son, the king's son. But he is the friend of David. And this verse... In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 4, when we see this incredible act here, it says, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and he gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Now you might hear that verse and think, oh, that's just like a nice gift. Maybe it's his birthday, maybe it's Christmas, maybe um, he was just doing a nice gesture for his friend. But the things that Jonathan gives David there are actually really, really significant about his relationship and what he is saying to David. That Jonathan himself is royalty, he's a prince, he's the son of the king. He could be in a place where he's got his own kind of claim for the throne to be the next king. He wanted to kind of pursue that. It might be that... Um, he would take his, his father's side in, in this kind of argument and dispute. But in this moment, he's saying to his friend, David, he's saying he's, he's given him his royal cloak. He's given him that royalty. He's given his, his sword, which would have been a, um, a part of his, his weaponry to, to kind of live out his purpose in, in what he's, he's doing. So he's not just giving him a gift here, but he's actually saying to, to, to David, no, I recognize the call of God on your life to be king. I recognize the who you are called to be and he's given of himself to actually put David in that position and say no no I recognize that God is actually calling you to this and putting David ahead of himself in this gift as well and that is a a great picture and that their relationship is a great uh, understanding of actually the way that God is calling us to love and treat each other so we've got three things I want to share with us this morning about agape love about this kind of love that God is calling us to have for each other and for him as well so the first thing is it is sacrificial. Now our motives can often be really hard to actually keep a check of, can't they? That often we'll do things where we say what our motive is or with a kind of intention, but there'll always be that niggling thing um, with us that our motives are always kind of um, being checked out. And they often will we'll give gifts to people and we'll have a, that in the back of our mind when it comes to Christmas or birthdays thinking, is this person going to give me a gift back? Or how much does this person spend on me? Should I spend the same amount of money on them? Or when it comes to my birthday, did this person give me a gift? Um, do I give them a gift? And even with things like that, it can be easy for our motives to get kind of mixed up and thinking, is it just simply an act of sacrificial love? Or is this part of I'm giving because I'm going to get? We think about... Um, when our, our children are uh, unusually nice to us or unusually helpful uh, and different things like that, they'll often be, be kind of going out of the way, like this is a bit of a strange behaviour, they're, they're being extra helpful, they're being extra kind. They'll often follow with the question, what do you want? What is it that you're doing this for, that you're, you're behaving in this way because you want something in return? It's not simply an act of sacrificial love that we're giving up for others, it's more of a transaction that people are looking for. How often we treat people because we're aware of what that person can give or provide for us. We recognise if we treat people in a certain way that actually that they've got something to offer us as well. Or do we treat people exactly the same because of the love that God is calling us to have for each other. John chapter 15 uh, verses 12 to 13 says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love no one Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one of his friends. The act of sacrificial love where nothing is expected in return, nothing is wanted as a, as, as a transaction or I'll give you this or if you um, give me that, 
but an act of simply laying down our wants, our own desires, laying down the things that we've got so someone else can experience that greater love, so someone else can be better off um, than us in that way. Jonathan did this with that, that, in that verse when the things that he gave to David, he's saying that I'm aware that I'm not going to be king. This isn't for me. I'm giving up all of my things here to you so that you can have the best chance, so that you can be represented in that way, so you can have everything that you need to live out the life that God has got for you. Do we live, do we live in this way of actually showing sacrificial love to each other? Or the moments in our lives where we think, actually, this is, this is getting a bit of an inconvenience for me now. I'll, I'll, I'll show this amount of love to someone. I'll, I'll help this person out to a certain point, but it's actually getting a bit more hard work than I wanted it to now. Or this is actually going a bit, uh, this person's been maybe taking it for granted or things like that. And we, we, we put limits on our love. We think it's, it's getting to a certain point where it's costing me a bit too much now. Or it's too much of an inconvenience. Or it's too much like hard work. But does our life show a sacrificial love for each other where it is going to be hard work? It isn't going to be the things that we want to do all the time. But showing that love that we're laying down our lives, laying down our own desires for the benefit of others. The second thing that... Uh, agape love is, is unconditional. It is unconditional. Now, uh, I moved to, to Greater Manchester um, quite a few years ago now, uh, and I realised that um, in Greater Manchester, there's quite a big uh, difference of what people call, I'm going to call it now a bread bun, so hopefully you all know what I'm talking about. Um, so when I grew up, um, when I grew up, um, I called it a butty. So like a a bread bun, like a square kind of round thing that you kind of cut in half. There's like a top and a bottom, what you'd have a burger in usually. Um, so just make sure we are all clear what I'm talking about here. And I moved to Greater Manchester and I realised that that is not what they're called uh, here. And even if you go from one town to the next, they're not called the same thing there either. So I realised this can divide a room, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, but has anybody got a different name for what you would call like a bread bun that you would put a burger in? So muffin. A muffin. Muffin. And where are you from? Where did you grow up, Cookie? In Berry. So apparently in Berry it's a muffin. Has anyone got any disagreement with that? A balm? A balm? So where's balm from? Bolton? Salford? Salford? Anything? A cob? A cob? Anyone else agree it's called a cob? No. Anna, where are you from? Where? Nuts Cheshire. It's okay, it's a cob in Cheshire. Okay. Any other any other suggestions? What? A flower cake. Oh, flower cake. Where's that from? Bolton. Okay, Bolton as well. People are very mixed up in Bolton, I see. Um, any other suggestions? A bap. Yeah. Where's bap from? Where? <laughs> Down south. Okay. We can see that we can quite quickly become divided on a very simple thing, can't we? But. Um, so many other things, it's not just bread buns, that's all at the start of it, isn't it? Um, so many different things in our society can divide us, can't they? When it comes to different opinions, when it comes to things like politics, when it comes to our beliefs, when it comes to our, our preferences, our attitudes about certain things. We saw it through COVID, when it was like, do we stay in, do we go out, do we get vaccines, do we don't get vaccines? All these different things easily divide us so quickly, don't they? But the thing is, our love has got to be unconditional. These different things that might separate us might be a simple thing like what we call a bread bun. It might be something a bit more complex than that. 
But these things aren't a barrier to us showing love to people and how we should treat each other. The biggest thing that separates us and God is our sin. And the things that we have done wrong in our life, that that separates us from God. But even our sin didn't stop God from showing his love to us in an unconditional way. As Jesus died on the cross, he went to the cross to remove that barrier and showed his love in that way. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person they might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The ultimate thing that separates us and God was not a big enough barrier for him to show his unconditional love to each and every one of us. Are we still sinners? Christ died for us. This kind of love that we're talking about, this unconditional love, should not be only shown to people that we have the same attitudes as, or the same thoughts as, or that think in the same way as us. But it is unconditional. It barriers any sin, any um, difference of opinion, any place where people live, whatever it is that our love should be unconditional for how we treat others. This is the love that God shows to us and that he's calling us to show to other people as well. Obviously we're aware that that is easier said than done in a lot of different instances, but a thing to remember is God isn't asking us to agree with people's decisions. He's not asking us to agree with people's lifestyles in all of that way. He isn't asking us to condone people's actions through this love. But by the way we treat people, by the the love we have for another human being, is to show actually that God has loved us in that way. Uh, We'd all be in the same boat. We're all uh, sinners. We've all done wrong in different ways. We've all had different experiences of that. But God is saying, no, the love I have shown to you, can you show that to the other people in our world? If the band want to come back up now, uh, that'd be great. Thank you. Uh, The third thing that agape love is, it is for the good of others, for their good. Often uh, our children will argue with the decisions that we make or the things we tell them they can or they can't do. And it's usually followed by the sentence, well, it's because we love you. Now it doesn't seem like that when you're being hard done to or you feel like you're you're not getting uh, the way that you want, but it's because we love them. And the thing is that a genuine Love, a genuine sacrificial, unconditional love, it wants the best for others. Jesus showed this, we talk about looking at Jesus' example, he showed this um, as he went to the cross, and he went to the cross for each and every one of us as that ultimate act of forgiveness for our sins so that we can be in relationship with him, so that we can have the best for our lives. He doesn't want us to live in that bondage, he doesn't want us to live in that sin with that guilt and that debt on our lives, but he wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live with forgiveness. He wants us to live in relationship with him, that his act of love showed that he wants the absolute best for each and every one of us for our lives. And we don't have the power to do that and to forgive other sins, but we can live our life in a selfless way that actually wants the best for other people. That our actions reflect that, that our words reflect that as well. To see others succeed in what they're doing. We see this in Jonathan and David and their story that as Jonathan gave up um, his possessions, gave away his robe, gave away his sword, gave all these things, it wasn't, um, he couldn't use them anymore it was it was now him handing them over to David saying no no I want the best for you I want you to live in the fullness of what God has got for your life 
So I think about this morning, think about obviously as a world we have so many different definitions of love and what it looks like, what our society says love is. We have TV programs that name things as love, which clearly aren't love. Um, We have all these different things in our world that talk about love, but what definition of love are you following? What definition of love are you using as your your, um, point to, to follow, as your point of reference? Matthew 22, those verses uh, that Jesus says, he calls us to love in the same way that God has loved us, with that love that is sacrificial, that love that is unconditional, that is wanting the best for others. If you'd like to stand, church, if we think about our vision statement as a church, is to be a light on a hill, transforming our communities one person at a time. That, that is... A big statement in, in some ways. It's a hard to achieve in, in some way, but the, the thing that God has called us to do, to love people in that way that he has shown love to us, that vision statement is only going to become a reality if we actually grasp hold of that and start to, to do that in our everyday lives. Without one person that we meet, the way that we treat them, the way that we speak to them, the way that we interact with them, it's about bringing God's kingdom, bringing the way that God is calling each of one of us to live here on earth to see that in power, to see that lived out every single day. And that, that love is the most powerful thing on earth when we show that to, to other people. That it, can, it can turn a life around. It can turn a situation from a dark one to light. It can bring change to people's lives. God, I thank you for every person in this room and anyone that's watching uh, online as well, God, that for each and every one of us in our lives, we'll recognise the love that you have for each and every one of us, God, that unconditional, that sacrificial love that no matter who we are, no matter where we're from, that you died for each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray for for all of us, Lord, as we head into these next days and weeks, Lord, that, that we will know that your definition of love is, is a true love that you're calling us to have for each other, God. The, the, the hard times, when it becomes an inconvenience, when it becomes hard work, Lord, that we'll know that what you have done for us um, gives us that power, it equips us to go and show your love to our world, to the people around us, to those that need to experience you in a new way, Lord Jesus. And for our church, Lord, as a vision, God, that transforming lives, transforming our communities one person at a time, God, that we will continue to see you working in and through us, Lord, that we'll see people's lives being turned around by the power of your spirit, God, by the power of your love each and every day, Lord God. Amen.